Hi, and welcome to this podcast about participatory art practices and failure. My name is Tandy McLeod. My name is Ewald Doren, and today we'll be talking with Jozef Wouters and B. van Krijnest. Maybe it has, be, it has uh, put a spotlight on, 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 on certain things. I think it has, has shown more clear uh, what the failure of our uh, society is and uh, how big the group of people is that we uh, leave behind. I think maybe that's, we have a, a sharper view of that. So, um, yeah, for, for me as an artist, uh, I have to say that it is a good time to talk about failure because um, the last months making art was not so important. But as Decor Atelier creating work, and I don't know how it was at Toestand, where B works, but um, like suddenly all the things are cancelled, but you have people working here, uh, documented people, undocumented people, precarious, I mean a lot of people who work are quite precarious, and that you have to, I found it quite interesting and quite learned for that, you have to produce work so that you can, so that people can st- keep working and then so the goal was not so much making great art, it was just keeping, keeping the workflow going and, and making it actually slower, the work, so that it needs more pants to do it. Yeah. Is this a good moment to talk about participatory art projects or, or projects in general? Like, is this a moment where we can come in with participatory projects? If, if, if not, then just like to, to try and like kind of get people busy and try to, to get people involved? Yes, I, I mean, personally for me it's a good moment because I have spent a lot of time the last month thinking about my own practice. Because the, 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 the stop to, um, to produce new work forces something like looking, wouldn't call it looking back, but looking sideways to, to, to the stuff you've been doing. And another thing that, that struck me was now I was talking with Jeroen Peters, who is a dramaturg I work with a lot, about this, this, this post-work society, which of course is a super uh, bourgeois and, and, and privileged idea that we wouldn't have to work anymore to, to work but, or to live. But for many privileged people, that was a reality during Corona. And, and one of the interesting consequences it is, if you don't have to work, or if you can't work, what do you do with your day? And there's something interesting about a group of people coming together or something reminded me of the participatory projects that I've been doing is like you're somewhere in a weird zone between work and private time and leisure and and then there's 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 the need for creativity a collective creativity of how to what to do with your day but again that's for the happy few and to kind of decide it together and to give it meaning like how is it that two stunts like well, I think it has, I mean, our our goal is to give mental and physical space to people. And that is something that in a crisis became even more uh, necessary for a lot of people because it was, especially for people living in the street, it was not possible anymore to be in the street. Uh, they were being chased around. Um, so we kind of shifted our focus on supporting uh, people in uh, temporary occupations in squats and made sure there they had the best physical, but also mental um, um, stuff to get through this period. It could be looking for an Xbox for somebody, uh, looking for fixing internet, or also making sure there's enough, uh, I was going to say toilet paper, but most of the people we host don't use toilet paper, (laughs) running water in the the toilets, stuff like that. So I think we, I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of how we really didn't skip a beat until we just annulled all the public stuff, but there's so much stuff um, within the context of providing space to also more pre- precarious people in the, in the city that just goes on. Um, people are still, if you're an undocumented person, if you have a job, uh, well, it just continues because it's, it's not a job that, it, that, that is um, mm. official, so it still goes on. Or the need for uh, there was I, I was amazed to discover again a whole other layer of the city where it just goes on. There were places where you could still get secondhand clothes at uh, fifty cent even 
when all the shops were closed, there was always somebody said, ah, but I know a guy who's still selling something from his garage, or I know a guy who's still doing that. So there's a, I think we, we were more than ever connected with the underbelly of the, the city that always, uh, always goes on. Um, Which is something we were talking about also during the, the EU came once when, when we thought it was allowed to come. We did this <laughs> we had a gin, gin tonic here. And um, just because um, I really needed it also to, to process, I guess, like many of you to process what are we living at the moment. And um, we talked a lot about this rhizomatic structure of, of, of small organizations in Brussels, both legal and, and, and a little bit less legal and artistic and, and and the confinement, if anything really positive that, 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 that I felt was that more than ever as the karate, I felt part of that structure, uh, the prismatic structure that goes through to the people who come here and also come in other organizations. And I, there were moments of proudness also about what that structure does for the city and, and how it is way better uh, capable of, of, of dealing with, with a virus that essentially has the same kind of structure. You know, there is something quite beautiful. It's beautiful, and at the same time, I thought it was. Um, I saw so many interesting things uh, happening, and it's more than ever um, like groups of citizens uh, organizing themselves. It's it's become even very detached of a classical uh, civil society who were I just saw totally uh, mm. uh, paralyzed. Um, I also see within those uh, new civic movements some fatigue as well after uh, after corona because it's super tiring to take care uh, of each other the whole time the whole time um and i'm a i i thought for instance ah what, what an excellent opportunity this this space that uh, space of time where nobody's very mobile to do a kind of a head count or to take temperature or see who needs what, but that's not something that has been done. Uh, so we kind of missed an opportunity, I think, as well to, to, to think about um, who is uh, falling through the cracks of our, of our system. And what I think is a bit cynical that I think the, it, in some way it it's, um, arranges the people who have the money and the means and the, the political power to take care of certain groups in society that um, citizens are doing it because then, of course, they don't have to do it. And it's not the problem is in, is in some ways not that visible anymore. And you would hope that after a while, the, the, the government or, or some kind of public power um, checks in or looks, hey, what, what has been going over here? And, and could we adapt our policy to that? But I don't think that is really happening for the, for the moment. Um, it's kind of a weird thing because you basically, if I follow well, you're saying like civil society had come to its limits and couldn't really go there anymore or decided that it was a lockdown and that it couldn't act. And so like local networks took over, but nobody was looking or civil society wasn't looking anyway. And so the problem took care of itself and nobody cares. Because other people are stepping in, but of course it de-legitimizes uh, the, cl the classical civil society organizations. But I think it's also the end of a whole movement where civil society has completely depolitized itself. I mean, where before youth organizations or even um, unions were the motor of social change in this country. Remember in the 90s, if you had like an anti-racism um, manifestation, it would be Scouts and Hero running the show. Now they, they, they stay so clear from everything that's, that's barely political. I mean, there's all these big organizations that I think, well, if you're Beweging.net or I don't know, if you come from these um, organizations who have this history of 150 years of, uh, of of social projects, but it's anarchists handing out food to to refugees. I, I thought that that's a very, very strange. It's the it's the I mean it's the Moroccans and anarchists have been feeding this city during the lockdown mm -hmm. in on a scale that has never been seen and. All you were telling me they even have pullovers already. They had like two <laughs> yeah, weeks like like people, people in Moldova get pullovers like COVID rescue team or something. Yes. <laughs> like Moroccan, Moroccan Week two, they had hoodies, yes. 
Um, yeah, the, the I was invited by I, I will not a big civil society uh, movement. If I could give like a small um, a small talk via Zoom for their members on these new forms of solidarity, and then that's yeah, and you think, ah, that's what you guys are doing. You're organizing these Zoom meetings uh, in the evening where I yeah, where you just say, uh, well, give all undocumented people papers, <laughs> shouting death for an hour. Um, yes, in the, in the art world, which was. Which is something I'm more into. It was also so ridiculous, and I don't know if you also got it, but people write emails hey, do you have designs for Corona theaters which we can upload on a website um, that then, without a fee? I was like, is there a fee? No. Um, so, unpaid labor you ask from artists to create online content for your. For your and th that was so striking. And, and I know it's the bubble of the art world, but it's one I really. I really. <laughs> Like to see that all these prof professional organizations had all these people working at home and then had to come up with sorry but shitty ideas for creating content that then had to be filled by artists and it was very I guess because I'm I have a building like this it was such a liberating thing to be to, to, to say I'm not gonna put any time in that and I'm gonna connect with all these other platforms who are artistic and non and just see what we can do which is actually helping. Is it a moment where, like, both in the artistic uh, sphere and, and uh, the more uh, social sphere, it's become much more clear who is doing something legitimate and, and who is just trying to. Yes, look and like we were this. doing something. <laughs> <laughs> look at that, look at this. But it, it, I mean, but it is in a way. Stuff like I said earlier, like I, I write email emails to people. I don't have money to write emails to you because I have to be busy with other things. I wouldn't say it before Corona, but it's also the the uprising of Black Lives Matters. Like it's just how inspiring it is to see people of color just burning bridges online, saying I don't do this anymore. It's really really inspiring. So yes, yes, okay. But also, this, suddenly all these theaters put everybody on the, the chômage technique and there's, there, there is a saving operation for them. I mean, how sad is that? If you don't even, you're a creative, I saw so many creative institutions and you don't even have like, just take two weeks and, and rethink it, but don't rethink it in a, in a way that is just so, I, I don't want to look at the, at, at, at the a captation of a play that was uh, relevant two years ago. Yeah, it, it, it's really... S so little self-criticism involved there. And about, and essentially for the art world in Belgium, the professionalization of the last decades, which is openly and more openly questioned by a younger generation who don't need all these people who are doing the overhead for stuff where you think there's really something happening there. Do you have a personal relationship with failure? I'll tell you mine if you tell me. Yeah, no, I mean, with, with me it's very simple. My, my, my life as an artist started with, with complete failure, being being thrown off an art school after two years of uh, dreaming you were going to be the new whatever <laughs> something. So I come, I started with failure and I think for a long, for the first five, five years as an independent artist struggling, a lot of the power within came from the desire to prove that the failure was, that it wasn't failure. There's, I have a very, you could, I think you could say masculine uh, relationship to failure being the drive to show them wrong. Part of me hopes that this is over since a few years. I think 2020 is up till now and I'm hoping it's like a balanced year. It's like 20 and 20 and from the 1st of July, like everything will turn around and it will be the most fantastic year we ever had professionally. I think it's been a, it's been the worst six months because it's been really, really hard to stand. It's been really inspiring as well. But we had, um, I mean, we've opened up our spaces since a couple of years, during 19 hours a week for the most vulnerable in the city. And it has put an enormous strain on the organization. It's, it's something, something nobody regrets, but there has been now two very violent incidents where uh, two times all 
most so many died within uh, uh, because of a um, really raw, uh, completely desperate, violent uh, people uh, lashing out. Um, and we work a lot in public space as well, and really on the fringe uh, of the city. And it's just been a constant uh, struggle of of being on the first, uh, being in the trenches of the city, being happy to be there and testing out things and, and doing stuff. But it's the, uh, the, the circumstances we are confronted with are so big that, uh, well, the only option is failure because it's, it's never enough. And I think coming to uh, to terms with that or dealing with that uh, within a, a team, we're like 13 people working for Two Stand, but there's, let's say, 100 volunteers behind that. Very pe people from very, very different backgrounds, they, they live that in a very different way. There's people, for instance, who have been um, uh, squatting and uh, activists for 20 years, and they say, but if you don't, if you can't handle to fail, if you, ca if you can't handle the fact that you only can solve a small part of it, then don't do it because you're going you're gonna to destroy yourself. And you have to learn to say no and you have to learn not to go to bed with all the problems you're confronted with the whole time. But it's, 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 I think we, we've never gone so far into really taking political positions or, or being really next to people who have almost nothing um, without having any uh, baggage to and there's not I don't think there's a there's not a manual and I, I hope there, if there is a manual to to work with these very precarious people that somebody gives us a copy because sometimes it's it's really hard uh, but to be confronted with that the, the whole time I mean you, you you see people in our public spaces who for instance uh, make like a little favela then you think, ah, oh, this, this is not, yeah, we cannot have, it. it's okay, it's, it's five people, but then there's 25, and then suddenly there's 50, and there's an incident. So we look for a place to house them, but once they're housed, it becomes like a small community, and then you have to uh, arrange the living situations there, and you think, are oh, we not, it's like your new uh, colonizers who are explaining to people, oh, you should be a, do this in an autonomous way and should be autogestion and it's not okay if there is a leader and we have all these principles so it's been it's been a lot of um walking towards problems instead of running away from them and i think it's it's the only strategy but i hope like in 2020 like the second half of 2020 will give us a bit more uh light and lightness within those uh and I think it's also, we are a really party organization. We organize a lot of party and we haven't been partying. Yeah, it's super strange. I think it must be the same for you. And it's, it's just, wow, it just helps that you, it balances out a lot that you can get drunk or use some other recreational uh, drug or, or party until the sun comes up again. And the fact that we haven't been able to do that <laughs> makes, makes it extra hard. It's interesting that you that you talk about this favela and, and, and how it builds next to the institution, builds this, that you make it right space, because thinking about your question of failure, I had, had the city has really little place for failure. Like if you're, if you're someone buildings for the city and you have to make things, then, then your, your bench has to resist the strongest form of vandalism that, that, that exists in the city. And I feel that, that, that um, the way you talk about those those favelas next to your building and, and, and the way we deal with, with for example, the, the, the gym and the people passing by here and the stuff we built in collaboration with people of the neighborhood or, or with, in social artistic context. That the ability to deal with failure as part of that process as something that, that shapes the process and very, in our case, very specifically shapes the spaces which this process takes place in is really something I had to learn. And I think it was on the first... Um, the first time I worked in a social artistic context, 
I was in in the CPA model, which is a social artist, uh, social artistic neighborhood, a social housing. <laughs> 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 it's actually it's actually a social artistic neighborhood. You see how many artists come there to take, to film their video clips. <laughs> but it's like a, a social housing complex, and I remember being 22 and, and 23 and, and, and coming with all your desires for a beautiful project, and then someone trashed it. It was vandalism on on the thing I built. And you know, like the, talking about failure, like the, how bad you feel, and like oh, they don't want me, and and, and and actually I meant really well. And people giving me all this advice: this is your project, go on with this, like build it stronger. Like there were so many, like always in social artistic projects, people on the side telling you how to do it. Um, and I, I think I found some kind of tunnel away from that idea of my proposition in this neighborhood: is it success or failure? Helped by um, by uh, Hinshorn, uh, Thomas Hinshorn, who wrote a lot about success and failure in social artistic projects. But then we built something very fragile as a new thing. So we, we first made something of stone; it was broken. And something like a, a bench made of I think it was just wood, and it was broken. And then we made it of a bit of stronger wood; it was broken. And then we made it of we reinforced it with iron. And slowly, a bench was shaping over two months, which was then changing shape, changing position in the neighborhood and as a metaphor for somehow how failure can become part of the way you work so within you a project. Into the for me it was therapeutic because I needed the solution to the fact that my initial desires were trashed. That I could understand that what I think Chantal Mouffe calls agonistic spaces, um, that there is a way to act within space as something where you don't have to agree before and the work can become or the city somehow being structured on those opposites, working together could help. B, when, when you're uh, organizing the Enter Festival, uh, and, and uh, a little disclaimer, I was, I was very much part of that, um, you and, and, and we had this, this very genuine desire and maybe this, this kind of dream to, um, to make everything as participatory as possible and to go as far as possible into that. Um, not only the, the, the performances, but especially also the programming, but also thinking about the food, thinking about like how to, how to deal with the audience, even if there would be an audience or only participants and could you could you tell us a little bit about like where that desire was coming from or like what 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 you were looking for or hoping for um, to change or to to show I think I wanted to prove something, and to prove something that I that I felt very instinctively, and a lot started with, I think, how I became um, a pu public of the the Brussels uh, art scene. That it took me like ten years to discover that I really liked performance, but I thought Kai Theater was nothing for me, and I was <laughs> getting really bored. <laughs> in some KBS place because I thought oh, this is the context I understand, this is political and then I discovered through almost by incident yeah, work of completely other artists that I didn't understand at all and I thought it was not political but I thought this is so much more what I wanted to feel and then I wanted to share that feeling of what well, the transformative experience you can have if you see a play that you say but or, or any kind of art that you don't understand it, but it makes total sense, and kind of everything falls into place, and the mental hygiene that comes with it. I wanted to share that with young people in the youth club I was working with, but not in the, ah, oh, we're 15 and we're going together, and it's Rina on the last seats, and the, not, and I, and I started going uh, in an other way to our art, to, to, to the theater, taking one, two, three, people and having a snack before and trying to meet the artists after and it was such a nice experience and I think from that came a lot of frustrations as well or ideas I thought but we could do this completely different we could if we could just tweak some kind of things I think we would have a totally different result 
And I think it was great to enter the art world as, a, as an amateur in two sense of the world, as somebody who really loves uh, going uh, to see any form of um, artistic uh, performances. I've always been super fascinated by popular culture as well and young popular culture, so I would go to all these a small uh, centre communautaire where there were people doing stand up for stand up for the first time, and I was really following all these small uh, movements out of curiosity, and I thought, ah, maybe there, there, I could be, I could link some kind of things together, and I wanted. I, I think the only thing that was in in that field was possible to do something that was as radical as possible and really put it into. Uh, put every aspect of a festival, an arts festival, um, in the hands of people. And I really believed um, that you could really pick people from the streets and that would work. And that's what I did. And I think I was really stubborn in the fact that I, I took a long time to, con to get my like coalition of the willing to, to get people on board who really wanted to do it as radical as I had it in my head. And I think I was really convinced of some if you make it cheaper, if you have a cafeteria where you can have free coffee, if, if you don't have any communication, uh, nobody's re responsible for communication, for instance, and all the money you have, you put it in somebody who puts literally a chair in front of the, 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 the gemeenschapscentrum and has, asks, asks everybody the question, do you know who you are? What are you doing in a month? Here's the program. All these little small things I really believed and I thought I'm, I'm going to look for people who want to do it together with me. And what the nice thing was, I started out really alone, just with the, the people who gave me the opportunity to start out. And when the festival started, we had this uh, really funny WhatsApp group with, I don't know, 100 people in it involved in the festival. And suddenly it was totally out of my hands and it was really carried by by people and I still it's I think it's a festival that had a small impact uh, and I can still see some kind of uh, waves from what we it, it didn't have really the impact that I I think giving away the curatorship of a festival to the audience is something that people people still feel really uncomfortable with um, but for me, it's been like a super, uh, super rich uh, experience. Absolutely. Uh, is there anything apart from, if I have to be honest, like uh, it was quite amazing how easy and how doable it was to do a, a programming on, on a participatory uh, basis. Uh, is, is there anything you learned from it that you like, uh, okay, let's not make that mistake again. Like, apart from the success of like doing doing the programming and, and, and all the positive aspects, like, there... I wouldn't uh, seek approval of the official art sector anymore. I think I'll, I also there were so many artists where I offered like a good decent budget, but said I didn't. I don't want to be part of it because he didn't get any money from uh, the concern. And I think there's even if we, we talked a lot about um, yeah who, who who gets all the because we wrote a lot of grants and we get I wouldn't put any effort into that anymore. And it's it's it, there's there's still so much ass kissing involved and you still have to write these texts in a, like you've been through the the APAS ringer and I haven't been to the APAS ringer so I I don't I don't have that kind of di discourse and I. I don't have anything against that discourse, uh, but it's just a pity that it's a condition to be able to, you really have to, um, I remember that, that I had some echoes from the, from the commission who didn't give me zeer good, zeer good, what you need to get, a, get any money. And they talked about the, the artists that we uh, presented as uh, artists in residence. And I said, but who are those people and what have they proven already? And I thought, well, I, I, and it's just because you don't know who they are. There's already a judgment. So I think I would, I would really try to be even more free. Um, even say, if we, if we not, not let myself, I think I really somehow needed the approval of the, I don't know how, I, 
it's not even the mainstream, the, the niche of the mainstream art field to say, well, it's okay what you're doing, we see the value of that. Um, it's something I care um, a lot less about. And if I'm honest, I think there for, and I think also for the people who are investing uh, their time um, in the project that they wanted, um, that they were afraid to lose some credibility. And I think there's a lot of, um, um, and that's very typical, the fact that we don't use the term in, in Dutch social artistic work anymore, it's because sometimes, and I, there is a part of that official uh, sector that I, I have very f little affinity with, so I understand that you don't want to be associated by it, but in a way it's a pity that we, we still care, and I, I'm thinking about myself in the first place, a lot about the label or the category you, you fall into. I think people even prefer poverty and their street credibility than uh, earning some money or doing something that is maybe slightly more commercial or, or in, in a context that is, that is not very hip, but uh, puts, puts food on the table. whole idea of participatory art practices is, is a lot more popular than it was uh, five to ten years ago when there was no or virtually no attention for it. Um, why is that? Can, can you... um, and, and why did it happen so fast even? maybe not the most poetic answer, but if you see other people making good art within that context, and they, then you think, ah, that's interesting. Okay, so there's been a couple of like really nice presidents and people are suddenly like waking up to the idea of like, if this feeling, is possible. I have the feeling Thomas Hirschhorn's work had a huge impact, and then specifically the book that Claire Bishop wrote about his practice and others really put it internationally on an, on an uh, artistic agenda, and actually quite elaborate, because thanks to the book of Claire Bishop, it also made made away with many of the problematic... I mean, her thinking has been very helpful. And, yeah, just it became, became uh, hype a little bit. Is it, is, it now a, is it now a hype, or is there something real... Is there some real benefits to the fact that suddenly there is much more interest to this, this new field? Is it even a new field? I mean... I see hype with all the love for it because I think there is already Hirschhorn is out, outdated now. So I mean, a lot of aspects of how he deals with authorship, for example, how he deals with with the flow of information and the control over the image, is already for me it feels already quite outdated. So it feels that within the hype there is still a learn, learning process and, and and so much knowledge is being produced. I would even say month after month because making a social artistic project. When I started my project with Global Roma, when I ended it, it was a different world to relate to within the social artistic um, field, at least for me. I also think, so, and, I, and I see how um, Global Roma, for instance, is evolving. And I think there is, um, there, there's some kind of, um, I mean, artists who come with an artistic uh, proposition and who want to work with a certain uh, group of people, I'm hoping we're kind of leaving that behind. And because there's still a lot of that going on, like I have this vision and I see this kind of people, like like um, I work in a place where people would like to use your space as a backdrop because it's an exciting backdrop with all these different kind of. Uh, People and I hope there there's a lot of space for uh, for for authenticity. Um, I think it it has to do with, as you said, some some good practices. And for me, more than a methodology, what I find important is an attitude. It's how you work with people. It's your authenticity. And um, I hope we're. I think um, well, Joseph's practice is a is a good example of how it's detached from a project logic. It becomes uh, who you work with, it comes, uh, it becomes where you work, uh, who, you, who you're collaborating with, who are you giving 
an opportunity to do that. And I hope that there's going to be more places where it's not just the 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 one uh, the one project a year we're going to do, or this is one piece um, that will be selected by uh, a, a group of people, a group of women in their menopause with too much time on their hands. We're going to choose from a catalog. I hope it's a, it goes a bit further than that. And I think I hope really um, people want to really open up their 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 doors. And I think I I learned a lot from. Uh, the crazy uh, Francis McKinney is his name from the, the CCA in Glasgow and his like crazy uh, uh, presentations he gives the, the the attitude of not standing in the way of people and um, also when you when you have that kind of it, that you really want to to really open up and to really have a, a, a long a long process with people I think people saw the saw the benefits of that as well, and maybe also because a lot of people um, the, the, maybe the budget cuts had to um, had had to play play the role in that as well. That people really thought about well, if there's less money, how how should we mm. how should we spend the money? And I hope people are are looking different. For me, it also has to do with. Uh, there's a link with who is my audience mm. as a theater or as an artist as well uh, not also who am i who am i working for I, i'm hoping that there's a bit more, i think there's there's a nice link but it could still there we could go even so much so much further than what is happening right now where would you want to go i think one one what do you think one one very optimistic horizon that I see and what it's going to be is that um, it's no longer possible as a, as a for example a white a, a white artist uh, to think that the fact that you will work with underprivileged people or just people from, from who are different than you that it's by definition already poetic that it's already good that it becomes really like that the power within a social artistic project if you participatory project is really with with the participants and that, that we are not so far from that that, that Barry Amatalib for example an artist who is in permanent residence after the project we did together he's just kept and now he lives here and runs half of the building he's by now very aware that he is the capital of the organization that, he, that it's not thanks to the organization and, and I think this empowerment, it's not going to be with everyone because there is still so, such a... But, but more and more people who join these kind of projects um, have a... It's not, let's say, it's easier and easier within such a project to, to give empowerment to the participants and to make, make it super clear that, that, that they are the essence and that the power is in their hands. Are we kind of are we kind of halfway? And are we if we are kind of halfway, are you running the risk of like with all the hype and all the talk about it of letting it implode? Or is that just gonna be a problem that's gonna take care of itself? That's a stupid question. I mean but is there it's just a consideration, like is there is there a is there a certain should we care that everybody now, like, um, sh should we care that there is so many claims that are, are being made? Like, uh, like internationally, there is talk about like a participatory turn in the arts. Like, uh, it's it's now a, a function in the Flemish art degree. Like, there's organizations who are pushing it forward as a strategy for like art education, but also like creating a dialogue with the public. There yeah. is uh, administrations who think of it as like a way to reinforce integration, to fight poverty, to emancipate citizens. Like, are we, because suddenly there is, there is like a, there's like, there's an enormous, uh, like from the claim of like art can just, you know, like be critical to like a couple of years later and like a, a, 
participatory art can can solve the world or can at least solve poverty or like an enormous but the way you say it i mean there's critique in the way you phrase the question and i really decided to not have that critique anymore for me okay i think the more the better the let it come like it, let all the students do it i yeah. used to be a bit like now everyone wants to do it and they don't do it good or according to my standards and I am very critical about many of the participatory practices that I see but I really stick to this opinion that the more the better because I had the chance to learn from my mistakes I made I learned more from bad work in public space and bad participatory works than from 100 books and it is better to do one bad participatory project than to read all the books of Claire Bishop I think there should be freedom for everyone to do that and and then we should just trust that the participants get get really empowered. And if that happens, then anyone can do anything. And there is, will be no more difference between asking Rashida Aziz from the space to collaborate. Like, there will be just a whole set of tools you need to develop, preferably in art school, how to invite people and on which term, how to have an open conversation about credits, how to have an open conversation about money, which is something that the generation before us has been pushing away as if it is nothing to do with artistic projects. And if we all manage that set of tools which are essentially just politeness and just transparent ways of collaboration, then I think the whole participatory will just be part of that and become, become, become dissolved in that direction. That's, that's what I was, what I wanted to say about the, for me it's an attitude, is just how to be nice to people and I think there is a big problem within the art world that people don't know how to be nice to each other within the, within the institutions. Um, we just see how many toxic work environments were created and, and covered up for a very, very, very long time. I think if you, if you work on that and if you work on, uh, on, on radically changing the people who are deciding and making more, see that there's more diversity, all the rest will follow from that. I'm mm -hmm. not that optimistic about the fact that it's, I think they're, they're going to change the culture they create, and I think participation is the furthest from what they're interested in. I mean, you see now with the, the um, I'm, I'm with, with NVA uh, running the show, they're much more interested in reshaping the landscape um, based on the, the stones and, and the, the, the size of organizations rather on the content of what they are doing. But that's why, I mean, the holistic, the, the way you talk about it, that's why I think it makes no sense to spend time criticizing that one artist who took the images from that refugee and misused it. Like, there is so many examples, but if we don't talk about it as a global problem of people just having no idea how to, how to, how to create honest work relationships, then it is just within the participatory, and then we just have these conversations about good and bad practices and this. And, the reality is that about every project you can tell beautiful stories, you can tell problematic stories, and there's failure and success, and it's all part of that. Um, one of the most interesting propositions within the Enter Festival, I thought, was the project of Jovia Lambenga who's uh, had like a theater company in Congo, uh, in Kinshasa, where he made a lot of plays and then uh, came to Belgium, decided to stay and first worked as an actor and for the first time again. And I, I remember I had a coffee with him. I said, did you already have, a, did you ever, did already like a big project like that? And he was like, yeah, I had a life before I came to Belgium. It's not, it's not like seven years ago. I started to exist. I'm your age. Of course, I did a lot of stuff. Uh, so he gave me a good talking to, and he worked in Woluwe uh, Saint Pierre, in like the richest part of the city. And I thought it was it was great that the 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 group of people he worked with were were all like this super privileged, um, rich international group of people. But they had also they they, they adored him, and they it, it, they kind of had the kind of same kind of relationship. And like everybody started to confide into him. And two years after, this group still exists. They see each other every month. Uh, they come together, and they have these these great bonds. And I think I hope there's 
um, we kind of stay away from uh, the poor neighborhoods and we go into the rich neighborhoods. It's the same thing with when the artists are looking for, uh, I had these long conversations with the people from uh, Permanent who are looking for new artist space and everybody wants to be in that canal zone. I said, we go to Drogenbos, go to Uckel, go to Wolus St. Pierre. You're not gentrifying. There's interesting dynamic. There's people over there as well. So I think there, there's other kinds of movements that I thought I think could be interesting. Um, I mean, we barely scratched the surface. Exactly. There's, yeah. there's so many ways in, in which you could uh, collaborate and there's so many um, artist practices that we should recognize as being an artistic practice as well. For me, that, um, that was really the epiphany once you realize it's not about privilege. I mean, it's, it's not about working with minorities, but it's about creating a new temporary economy that is consists of more than only money. It is possible everywhere and it's possible with all creatures living with, with climate. I mean, you can really create webs of, I think Pierre Huigel calls it labyrinths, which are not geometric, which I think is a very, very beautiful way to describe what are the kind of structures that you can make within a project, within the, within the fiction of a project. And once that, once this becomes the practice, then it doesn't matter if it is with refugees or with rich, rich people in Saint Wolliwo or with plants. And yeah, for me that was really the realization. You you both are um, you both seem to share the fact that you that you want to open a, a, a long term space. Uh, for people who, who don't have it, who, or who don't have much of it. Is there, um, is there support for that? Or is this a battle that's getting harder? I think we, one thing that's really different for, for, is that with me, the, um, I want to make art. That's, mm -hmm. that's the thing I want to want to do. And I trust that within this clear objective that I want to make art, there's a whole blind spot or a blind area where other people can do other things which are not necessarily art. So I don't, I also don't take money from social uh, funding or anything. All the money comes from the work we make. That's also why I don't have the freedom to think about, I don't want to make art anymore because I need those big projects that fund, fund this space. So I need to lot of income from making art constantly uh, just to say that because otherwise it sounds like we're constantly talking from the same perspective but I think that's a huge huge difference and so essentially the main question I will have to deal with is how long is that economy possible that it, it's fueled by the art I make with the people here and how problematic is that also I think the, the, the perspective of, of Tustant, and I tend to completely identify myself or the places I work, I know it's a bit fucked up, but uh, uh, that's, that's how it is. I think we would, we're into redistributing space and, and definitely giving space to people who don't have access to it. And in a, in a dense populated city like Brussels, of course, that's a, that's a constant struggle. If you just there's a huge housing crisis, and of course, because there's a huge housing crisis, you really have to talk about every square meter you're not giving to logement. I think for us that that is a, a constant dialogue, and we're more than ever are willing to also create a temporary living space because there is a huge need for that. On the one hand, I mean, this is still if I have uh, friends over who are. Um, my age and who lived 20 years ago in Berlin, they were like, this is the Berlin from 20 years ago and this is so crazy and you have all these projects and it's more than ever there's these temporary occupation projects in all different kinds of shapes. But of, of course, if they say it's the Berlin of 20 years ago, we also know what the Berlin yeah, of now exactly. is. <laughs> and you know where we're headed. It's the same if you look at Paris, where every like square uh, centimeter is now uh, privatized and commercialized. Um, there's a lot more players as well on the field of people who want to use empty space for all kinds of purposes. 
I think it's still an interesting, um, there's, there's still, uh, I mean, we have a slogan at Ustand that says there's always another building because you, you have to look for a lot of buildings and a lot of things don't work out for uh, on, uh, various kinds of reasons. Um, but I still think it's, but the greatest lesson I've learned until now is that if you just open up the door, there's all these new kinds of initiative, all these, there's so many people who are already doing super interesting mm. stuff. And the only thing you have to do is uh, give them a key and saying, well, we're giving this key also to three other people, so you might as well work together. And then you just kind of have to ma make it, make it, uh, let things happen. And I think if you go into these temporary occupation, like the, the good, the nice ones, not, not the ones who are exploiting uh, young uh, artists or young initiatives, I, I, I'm that that is what gives me makes me really enthusiastic about the future. I think there's a lot of young people who are who are making stuff themselves, not in a participatory context, who are not taking a lot of bullshit anymore. Who are not going. To, they're not going to negotiate with people. They're they're not they're not interesting to being in our uh, in our official spaces spaces or institutions because they already built something else or they're building something else for themselves. I think that is really exciting, and it's still, I mean, there's still, um, if we're a bit creative about it, it's still about uh, six million square meters empty mm. in this city. This podcast is part of a three-year-long trajectory from Rest for the Wicked with support of the Flemish government and in collaboration with Demos. Voorruit Art Center, BZW, uh, the Research Group of Culture and Education of the University of Kent. Thank you very much for listening. Take good care of yourself and take good care of the people around.